Are you listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other platform where you can leave a rate or review? Do you like what we're doing? If the answer to all of that is yes, please consider quickly giving us a five-star rate. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a nice review, we greatly appreciate that as well. Okay, let's do this. Hello, welcome to the Ghosts of Harrenhal. My name's Simon. And I'm McKelly. Thank you for joining us for episode 23 of our chapter-by-chapter book review of A Song of Ice and Fire series by George R.R. R. Martin. Today we're discussing chapter 22 of A Game of Thrones, Aria 2. So we're going to chat about the chapter and try not to spoil any future plot points for you. And hopefully we'll provide you with some entertainment along the way. We'll summarise what happened, discuss our thoughts, provide useful background, compare it to the TV show, and indulge in a little pedantry. Be sure to check out the show notes. They'll provide you with some interesting information about the characters and other things of note in this chapter. How are you? I'm doing okay. How about you? Well, we, well, as you were aware, we've had some appalling weather. We have, this yes. Last week. Wow. And we had a storm come through that just knocked a ton of things down. And my sure mother-in-law's did. house was hit by a giant pine tree. I'm dealing with an insurance company the restoration company that they've recommended, the tree removal company that they work with. But two trees fell, one on my mother-in-law's house and one on the house next door, and they have a common root ball. So he's got a different tree person. Oh, my. This is getting complicated. And the (laughs) HOA, the Homeowners Association, so that, you know, a townhouse, for those who don't know, townhouse is part of a sort of group of houses and they all connected all connected and they all pay fees to a homeowners association for sort of care and uptake of the grounds they're not giving any help but they want they're insisting that we use a specific restoration company not the one approved by the insurance company for the exterior repairs well if they're not giving any help why do they get a say <laughs> so oh man i'm sorry because they want consistency that. of look and feel on the outside you i say. guess yeah but it's a real pain so oh wow yeah that and, is and i'm dealing with it all over this weekend and all of the people involved use phone answering services. So I keep on phoning these disinterested minimum wage housewives, <laughs> explaining all this stuff to them, only to receive a call back 10 minutes later and have to re-explain it to another person. Oh, man. Uh, that is no fun for sure. Oh, man. Wow. So so yesterday, the, the, the trees got taken out yesterday by the neighbor's tree guard. Okay. Because... Uh. Talking to my restoration company, who were recommending a different tree guy, they said the insurance company hasn't yet approved the removal of the tree. What? But I'm sure they will. Right? I would think so. <laughs> yeah, that's got to stay there. <laughs> and so I said, well, what would you do? And they said, I would tell that guy to take the tree down while he's there with a crane. Right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I did. So fingers crossed I'm not on the hook for that. Oh, man. What a situation. Well... Maybe we can take your mind off it for a little yes, bit while we talk some Arya, too. Talk about Arya, that's better. So a quick recap of what Arya was up to previously. Last time we saw Arya, she was in the town of Darry, having been found and brought before the king and queen. How's that pronounced? Darry. <laughs> Geoffrey's lies and Cersei's cruelty drove her to tears and a righteous anger. Since then, her friend Micah has been killed by Sandical Game, for which nobody has censured the Hound. Whilst we did not see her, we know that she arrived in King's Landing with her father, presumably in a bad mood. Yep. McKelly, why don't you hit us with the summary? They were probably all in a pretty bad mood by the time they got yes, to King's Landing. That it seemed party. that way. They've aged a good bit, too, yeah. I bet. 
So Aria sits um, at dinner. On well, the subject of yeah. aging, actually, did you hear what our head of R&D said about his aging, that he's aging in dog years <laughs> since he took the job? <laughs> I thought it was funny. I did not. He does look like a shell of a man already. Oh, man. That's a tough spot to hop into, I guess. So Arya sits at dinner with Sansa and the Stark household staff. Her father arrives late, and Arya can tell he's been fighting with the small council again. When talk of the tourney in his honor comes up, he gets quite annoyed, but Sansa, on the other hand, gets quite excited. He eventually relents and says the girls can go, to the tourney, that is. Arya has no interest because Prince Joffrey will be there, and she now hates Prince Joffrey. Sansa responds that she isn't wanted anyway, and Ned snaps. I believe she, her words are, you shan't be wanted. Uh-huh. And Ned snaps at her. He commands that they act like sisters and then loses his appetite and leaves the hall. And so with Ned gone, Arya feels alone and misses her brothers. She used to love these people in the room with her. They're all in a big hall having dinner, but she no longer feels that way. She can only now think that none of them did anything about the queen killing Lady and the hound killing Micah. She goes to leave too, but Septimordain rejects her request to leave. So she takes off running. She runs to her room and bars the door and takes out her sword needle. She hates herself because all the bad things that happened since the trident were her fault, so says her sister and her sister's best friend, Jane Poole. Others try to get in, but she refuses until Ned shows up. She lets him in, and he's surprised to see her with a sword. He compares her wild streak to her Aunt Liana, and he tells her that Micah and Lady's deaths were not her fault. Then explains that King's Landing is a dangerous place, and they must be a strong pack to survive, comparing the family to a pack of direwolves. He tells her she can keep the sword, which she gets very excited about. And later she meets Sirio Farrell. He is to be her dancing master, only he dances with a sword. Mm-hmm. So Ned's not really making friends on the small council, it no, seems. that seems to be a theme. Yeah. We did figure that his stark northern blood can't be mixing too well with the fools and flatterers. Yep. We were picking up on that in his last chapter. Yeah. And he doesn't seem to be winning the argument about the tournament. <laughs> no. It's definitely going to happen. <laughs> As the rest of the council kind of surmised was going to be the uh, end result when he said, I'm going to talk to Robert about this. Mm. When he's late for dinner, but he sees all the Stark men are already eating, he says that he's pleased to know there are still some men of sense in this city. Yes. A- an attitude I take to eating as well. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't like to stand on ceremony. <laughs> So yeah, when Sans, when Sansa catches wind of the tourney, she has a very different reaction to that of Ned. Yes. It's all part of her little fantasy world that she so longs for with gallant, or as uh, Sophie Turner on the show says, gallant. Gallant. Gallant knights competing for honor and fame and courtly ladies dressed in their finest and yada, 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 all that jazz. <laughs> if, if she knew the cost, if she knew how much this was costing right. the realm... She probably still wouldn't she get wouldn't it. She wouldn't get it. Yeah. So Ned doesn't want his household involved in the folly, but it's weird, actually, that Septimordain is the one that points out it would be right. pretty bad optics for the family not to show up for the tournament in his honor. Right, yeah. That might look odd. Arya definitely doesn't want to go, but that's because she just doesn't want to be in the same planet as Joffrey. No, yeah, she uh, really not a fan. And that's when Sansa says, you shan't be wanted anyway. And head, Ned's head goes... Uh, you know, that was the response I expected her to have when Arya didn't want to go, go into the, the wheelhouse. wheelhouse. I expected yeah, her to be yeah, like, yeah. good idea. Yeah. You shan't be wanted. Yeah. 
Yeah, so Ned's struggling with the single parenting, it seems. Yeah. Um, maybe packing Cat off home so quickly wasn't as good an idea as he yeah. thought. But again, he wanted to keep it all under wraps that she ever came. You know, if she, if she takes as long to get back to Winterfell as he took to get from Winterfell to King's Landing, he might be able to fetch her pretty yeah. quickly. And <laughs> Just be like, take bad, a, bad idea. Come take on a boat, back. end around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he Ned really lays into the two girls, telling them they're sisters and they have to act like that. Which seems like they are based on... The way they're fighting. The way they're fighting, exactly. <laughs> and she, Sansa's sitting as far away from Arya as possible without irking Ned, um, Arya notices. And, of course, we learn a little bit why, and it's kind of a heartbreaking deal. So Ned leaves, uh, and Arya's feeling alone. She's missing her brothers, with yeah. whom it's pretty obvious she has a lot more in common than she does with Sansa. So yeah. She also feels like she used to know all these people at the table, but then... Her sense that they betrayed her by not holding the king and queen accountable for Micah. Right, yeah. For for letting that be water under the bridge. We get a little more of her unassuming kind of commoner look at the world. She talks about how from free riders to knights, she would horse around with them and get to know their wives and play with their kids. And she just... One of the people. A nickname to one of them was Arya Underfoot. Yes. (laughs) Now she hates it all. And um, they all let her down. Yeah. Jane Poole, being a bit of a ghoul, yes. laughs that Micah was cut into so many pieces that when they gave him back to his father, he thought it was a bag of slaughtered pig. Jeez, sweet kid, that Jane. <laughs> Lord. But, I mean, you know, if you if you don't feel any attachment to it and you're a teenager, you like ghoulish things. I so. guess, yeah, yeah. So Arya storms out and heads back to her room. Septa yes. Mordain's mad. Much to the protest of Septa Mordain, which is twice now that yes. she is... Uh... Every, every Arya POV <laughs> needs a storm out from Septa Mordain. Right. So she gets past the guard. There's a guard at the... <laughs> <laughs> You'll see why we're laughing later. I'm sorry. There's a guard guarding the entrance to the Tower of the King, which... Tower of the King, the Tower of the Hand, which yes. is where their chambers are. Um, he's known as Fat Tom. She gets past Fat Tom quite easily. Yeah, she and slides between his legs. legs. <laughs> yeah. It must be very tall, Tom, as well. Uh, and she goes to her bedroom and b- bars the door. And, yes. uh, and this is when we find out why Sansa is sitting so far away from Arya. Uh, it's because uh, both Sansa and Jane Poole have convinced Arya that all the bad stuff that's happened is all Arya's fault. Of course, we know that's not true, but she doesn't seem to. So. Yeah, but I mean, she's right in some ways. You can trace it back to her sparring with Micah. If right. she hadn't done that, none of this would have happened. But Yeah, and you could do that with any traumatic yeah. event, yeah. really. Something you did yes. could have changed history. But Do you remember um, when uh, the Memorial Day baseball incident in my family from about... Uh, I remember it well. Ten years ago. I do remember yes, it well. Yes, as do I. My... Uh, we went on uh, Memorial Day. We went out, and um, my son used to be a baseball player before he became a tennis player. And I was pitching to him, and he was batting. And Stacy, who was quite the accomplished softball player in her day, was shagging fly balls out in left field. That means catching them? Yes. Sorry. Catching fly balls out in left field. And one time I pitched the ball. Ethan hit the ball, a drive to left field, and Stacy circled under it. And all of a sudden, I saw the ball bounce into the air, and Stacy dropped to the ground. And it turns out she wasn't wearing her glasses, which was probably not a great idea. So you can trace many things back to this situation. Uh, so the glasses, that's what you're, you're, you're blaming your wife for this. No, so. Ethan 
blamed himself, well, you know, like, and then we, I was thinking, like, if I hadn't suggested we go do that, you know, you can always trace yeah. things back to, like, if we just hadn't done this. So she could have just caught it. She could have. Yes, yeah. we could have kept playing and having yeah. a great old Memorial but Day. But so much has come from that. I mean, I mean, I know she's had an awful time because, I mean, she was badly hurt. Yes, yes. Her, the top right side of her teeth were knocked in. Oof. Yeah. But we have had some funny stories out of it. <laughs> so there's a silver lining. Yeah, for us, I mean, for me, I really didn't have to deal with much of that. Oh, it's like my, my tree stuff. You're going to laugh about well, – I'm going to have lots of stories about this tree stuff. Yeah. You are, yes. Yeah. I you're you're going to laugh about it. I'm suffering right now. You suffered in this period, but now we can laugh about That's it. That's a good point. Anyway, we've gotten slightly off topic, yeah. but – so Arya dreams of scaling the walls of the Tower of the Hand just like Bran would and running away. She yeah. could just take her sword, steal food like she used to in Winterfell. Yep. She's going to go find Nymeria and make her way back to Winterfell or maybe to Jon at uh, the Wall. Yeah, although I don't think there are female members of the Night's no, Watch. No, there's not. Yeah. But uh, they keep, people keep calling her boy anyway. That's true. So, you yeah. know, for a while she might get away with yeah. it. So um, she digs out needle from her wardrobe chest and uh, starts to sort of practice a little bit. Yeah, so, while, while she's having all these thoughts of guilt and stuff, she's digging needle out. And, um, and at the same time, uh, a parade of people keep coming knocking at the door for her, and uh, they're being brutally rebuffed by her. And that is until it's uh, Fat Tom and Septimore Dame that yeah. keep coming to the door. Until Ned knocks at the door and then she lets him in, of course. She's able to rebuff Fat Tom very easily. And this is yes. why we're kind of laughing a little bit. She, Fat Tom says, Arya, are you in there? And she says, no. And Fat Tom goes, oh, okay, and wanders back to his post. <laughs> More on that later. Yes, hold that thought. <laughs> the door is barred, so there really is nothing anyone can do. So, right. Uh, but then Ned knocks and she lets him in. Yes. She kind of gormlessly forgets that she's carrying a sword that Whoops. she needs to not own. Yeah, she had time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wasn't getting in until she yeah. opened the door. So. He recognizes that it was made in Winterfell because uh, the, the, the smith Micken left his yes, mark on it. Which exasperates him. He says, the hand is supposed to rule the seven kingdoms and he can't even rule his own household. Which is in reference to his nine-year-old being armed by his own forge, <laughs> as he says. But he, she won't tell him uh, who made this, who got the sword made right. for it. But I don't really understand that. I mean, John. I mean, it doesn't feel like John would get into an awful lot of trouble. You no. Know? It, what would you do? Banish him to the wall? <laughs> she, he's going to send a sternly written letter yeah. by a raven. <laughs> uh, so Ned claims that she has a wildness in her that his father called Wolfblood and says that both Lyanna, her, his younger sister Lyanna, and his older brother Brandon both had it and now they're both dead. So that kind of alarms him a bit that she too has it. Yes. He says he, that she reminds him of both Lyanna, both in personality and looks, which amazes Arya because she, yeah. kn- she knows from stories that Lyanna was beautiful yep. and something that she'd never heard about herself. Again, little sister perspective, yeah. the reading too much into what her older yeah. siblings tell her about herself. And Ned basically sort of like, you know, he, he, I don't think he wants to suppress the wolf blood. He likes that about Arya, sure. but yeah. that in King's Landing, it could get her into significant trouble. Certainly could. Yeah. It's, <laughs> there's a funny line, though, when uh, Ned asks her if she knows the first thing about sword fighting. And her response is, stick them with the pointy end. Yeah. That's really the gist of it. Yeah, you know, yeah. she's got the... The gist. So she tries to explain that uh, she's trying to learn to sort of, that 
it was her trying to learn to sword fight that led into the whole mess at the Trident, but she can't get the words out. Yeah. Pretty much what she gets out is that it's all her fault that Micah and Lady are dead. But Ned, doing a bit of good parenting for once, right. is like, no, it wasn't. It absolutely wasn't. It was It was the Hound and Cersei who were to blame. Yeah. She lists all the people that she hates, which is pretty much the royal family and the Hound. Yeah, Tommen and Marcella do get spared. For so now, who for knows now. what they'll do to offend her. <laughs> Yeah, and Ned finds it hard to disagree with her. Right, I'm sure he doesn't say it, but I'm sure he's thinking, you know, you uh, have a point. Yeah. I'm kind of hating all those people as well right now. And then they, they were told oh. that Nymeria was, just wasn't found. Yeah, this breaks my heart, but this part. Arya now explains that she actually had to force Nymeria to run away by yeah. throwing rocks at her and hitting her with rocks twice. Yeah. And that sort oh, of man. must have man. broken her heart. Yeah. I, I wonder if, with hindsight, she would have brought Nymeria back and let Nymeria die For instead lady. of Lady. Because yeah. that way, there would still be one direwolf. Right. Nymeria's out of her life either way. Right. I, I guess at least, like, she was just saying she's going to run away and go find Nymeria. I guess just the thought of Nymeria still be, living uh, uh, brings yeah, her I some. Mean, I totally get it, yeah. It's like when, when parents say they that they took the family to a farm to live out his remaining mm-hmm. days on a farm you know the kids can at least think oh Sparky's living on a farm somewhere in his <laughs> I'm not sure lying to your children's the right thing to do though <laughs> just <laughs> FYI uh, so now it's lesson time even a nine year old start needs to know that winter is coming and she does yeah and but it's more than just winter it's also the metaphor for winter that uh, they have to bandy together Starks will stay strong as a pack yes uh, the, he... lo- the lone wolf dies when the winter comes but the pack survive we also uh, I get now yet a new definition of winter's coming which seems like one of many definitions we've had to interpret winter is coming this one seems to refer to hard cruel times ahead I think is what he calls it and he says we experienced a bit of it when Bran fell and on the trident so again he can't Liter- it can't, he can't literally just mean a weather forecast. Yeah, the winter's yeah, yeah. coming. So it's kind of our uh, yet additional one. Back to my tree situation, my mother-in-law's dog is called Winter. And oh. she's been knocked out of her house by yes. a tree. So, they, so uh, she, <laughs> she, and the dog, she and the dog have been in my house. And you know, <laughs> sometimes I'll hear footsteps in the hallway and I'll be like, oh, winter is coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in Brand 3, we learned that it means something terrible is coming from down from the north. And that's Brand's dream. You know, the crow says, now you know why you must survive. Winter is coming. Something terrible is coming down from the north. In Tyrion 3, we learned that according to Mormont, is literally winter is coming. The summer is ending. Winter is on its way. And now we've got yet another definition. So, you know, I, while, I was reading, while I was reading through the chapter... Just the constant negative outlook for the future for the Stark family has had me a little worried about them. And so I was starting to, I was looking up ways that they could deal with this. <laughs> and I found, no, I am no, I do have a minor in psychology. I will oh, say. You do? I oh, do. I didn't know yes, that. So. <laughs> I, was, I was about to appoint you team psychologist <laughs> thinking you had no qualification, but I take it back. So, uh, you know, maybe a, Psychologist, it's an actual accredited psychologist might say, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I did a little Google research, which is a terrible idea when you're when you have any kind of symptoms. Never do that. <laughs> Fortunately, in this case, it wasn't you. Right. It was some fictional character. Yes. So I found something called guided visualization, 
which is a process where you're led through imagining in your mind's eye a relaxing scenario, experience, or series of images. And the point is to harness the brain's positive response to those images to help you manage your emotions and life's challenges more effectively. So what would those be for the Starks then? Like snow. Snow melting. <laughs> yes. Snow melting. Dire wolves. <laughs> Yeah, you see, you see, I don't know because you see, I, I take your point. I mean, I mean, obviously, right? I think as we said maybe last week, we said you could just as easily say summer is coming, because if winter is coming, then summer Freddy's, is also coming. Yeah, yeah. Could all, so that would definitely be the optimist's view. Yes, if you gave a Stark family member a glass of water, yeah, so very much be half empty. It would be half empty. But I'm not sure if you are of that mindset. If you are a sort of pessimistic person by nature. I wonder if the visualization actually helps. Because yeah, I have no idea. Because I wonder if I wonder if your natural tendency would to visualize the negative thing. You know what I'm saying? And actually, you might find it relaxing to visualize the so worst you can learn case to scenario. Deal with it. Yeah, yeah. So you can be prepared. Yeah. Which is yeah. Back to my being a pessimistic optimist. Right. I I, I think about that the worst thing is going to happen, so I can prepare and be ready for it. Secretly always believing that yes. the, the best will happen. Yes. yes. Ultimately, Ned does tell her, now that we're in King's Landing, it's a dangerous place. And uh, they need to bond together as a family. Yeah. She and yeah. Sansa need to stop the bitterness between them. Yes. And they need to be united against their enemies. Right. He mentions that there are enemies out there, so it's time for her to grow up a bit. No more of these uh, tantrums and outbursts and stuff. Yeah, but it, 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 you're right. It, you, you said before he's treading a, a careful line here as a parent because he doesn't yeah. want to scare a nine-year-old, but at the same time, he does need her to come to heal. Right, yeah, yeah. Although that's kind of it's kind of hard to imagine Arya just falling into line and yeah. doing everything Septimordain asks of but her. But I think she does say, I don't really hate Sansa. You know, Right, yeah, she does. Yeah. She says, I don't hate Sansa. In her head, she thinks... That's not an entirely a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think in talking through this, we, we have glossed over how sweet and tender the scene is. It really you know, is. It he's, is. He, it's incredibly sweet. He, uh, she thinks several times during the conversation how much she loves her dad. And um, regardless of the tirelessness of his duties, he's still there to make time for her and then still some uh, values and life lessons that he finds important. A pedantic point. It's not his duties that are tireless. It is he is is tireless in performing his right, duties. Right. Yes. Just, just, just. The duties are probably tiresome. Oh, very much so. <laughs> He's yes, tirelessly yes. tackling yeah. it. So she he lets her keep needle, which she was amazed at. Yes, and she can't believe it. She says, "For true." <laughs> his response to me laugh. He said, "If I took, if I took it away, no doubt I'd find a morning star hidden under your pillow within a fortnight, and then try not to stab your sister." Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think. I think there you see that although Arya is young and she is flighty to a certain extent, she is also serious enough to say, I'm not going to stab my sister. Right. You know, I'm, I really have, I have separated in my mind her from them. Yeah. So then, you know, it skips ahead a few days and she is summoned to the small hall, which is the same hall where they were having the dinner, the opening scene of the chapter. And a man named Cyril Farrell is waiting for her in there, and he is to be her dancing master. Mm-hmm. He's a former first sword to the Sea Lord of Bravos. Yep, which is kind of like the um, Lord Commander of the Kingsguard here in Westeros. 
He's not going to teach her to hack and hammer like a Westerosi knight. No, no. We'll be right back. Hello, friends. Are you ready to make some unforgettable memories? Well, if so, consider the Marriott Bonvoy program. Discover the perfect destination for your summer getaway and unlock exclusive deals on luxurious accommodations. With our affiliate partnership, you'll enjoy unbeatable savings and a seamless booking experience. Don't let summer slip away. Visit Marriott Bonvoy today and make this vacation season one for the books. Use our Ghosts of Heron Hall affiliate page to check it all out and buy Bonvoy points or give some as a gift. The link to our page is in the show notes. He's teaching her the Bravo's dance, which is called the water dance, which was referenced in John 2 when John gave her needle. He said is a Bravo's sword. And um, those, which we talked a little bit about in that chapter, they're duelers found in the free cities of Essos, Bravo's, which is not to be confused with Bravos, which is the city <laughs> in Essos. So yeah, good chapter. Yeah, yeah. Some background, you want a bit more about water dancing? Some water dancing, it's not exactly how it sounds. There's very little actual dancing involved. Um, it's a style of sword fighting practiced by the greatest bravos in the city of Bravos. It is uh, named after the custom of bravos to duel upon the moon pool near the Sea Lord's Palace in Bravos. Oh. Yeah. It is said that True water dancers can fight without disturbing the water surface. <laughs> I want to see that. That sounds like hyperbole. I'm calling it. <laughs> they stand perfectly still. They only disturb the water when they fall over. Anyway, the water dance is um, a refined form of fencing in which the practitioner stands sideways and wields a slender blade, much like needle. It is a swift style that focuses on speed, balance, and grace. And because of this, it requires a slender, pointed blade far lighter than the swords of a Westerosi knight. So when Pharrell tells her that the sword should become part of her arm, he, he mentions, she says it's heavy, he says it needs to become part of your arm. Um, that's the basic element of learning to water dance. And beginners will also begin to see with all of their senses. Those are kind of the first things you learn as a novice water dancer. We could perhaps offer your water dancing teaching <laughs> as an add-on to the uh, to the part at the gold level. Kelly <laughs> will teach you to water dance. We're starting a Patreon today. <laughs> if you want to water dance, ten bucks a month and you're in. So the Sea Lord of Bravos, um, to whom Sirio uh, Forel was for sword, yes, is the ruler of the free city of Bravos in Essos. Protected by guardsmen led by the first sword. The office is not hereditary. One of the Bravos' citizens is chosen to be sea lord by the city's magisters and key holders through a convoluted and arcane process, rather like the American elections. <laughs> the choosing process is intense, sometimes described as knives coming out. Once chosen, the sea lord serves for life, but sometimes someone will try to cut that life short to affect a change in policy. Yeah, yeah. Statues commemorating past sea lords and their achievements line the canals of Bravos. I guess that's one way to affect change in policy. Quite. Uh, comparison with the television show uh, the dinner scene is just Arya, Sansa, Septimordain and Ned arriving late um, some of the thoughts that Arya has in the chapter are voiced so she actually says many oh, things she, okay. she and Sansa have a sort of back and forth Joffrey killed Micah Micah is dead because of Sansa's lies oh uh, yeah. show Ned That's... sends Arya to, his, to her room rather than her storming off okay okay uh, 
Ned, there's a little scene just after that where Ned tries to build a bridge with Sansa by giving her a, a doll, a pretty doll made by the same doll maker who makes Marcella's dolls. Oh, okay. And Sansa says, I haven't played with dolls since I was eight. Sounds like that that olive branch did not. No, uh, so well. No. Ned protests to Mordain that war was easier than daughters. <laughs> Ned you and get Ar- the sense he's feeling that in yeah. the chapter as well. <laughs> Ned and Arya's conversation is pretty well captured. Ned, Ned defends Sansa's lie in the TV show. She he must take her betrothed's side. We we mentioned that a little bit. We mentioned more that if she had said, "Yeah, Joffrey's full of crap," you know, that would have even had a bigger impact, negative impact on their betrothal. So. Yeah, yeah. And so that's interesting that, that, because we did talk about Ned's failure to react to her lies. Yeah. He clearly was doing that calculus. But if he was planning on, if he had that thought, why did he call her up in the first place? You know? Because he called her up to support Arya's claim. That's a good point, yeah. Um, Serial Forcell is physically quite different. I think he's bald in the the book and uh, sort of curly dark hair in the TV show. Um, He's also... From my reading of the book, he seems quite straight-laced and not very, you know, I mean, he's he's obviously good at it, but he's he's going to be a sort of strict taskmaster. The TV show one was, he had a twinkle in his eye and oh, sort of really enjoyed the sort of okay. sparring with, um, yeah. with Arya. So, Pedantry Corner. Um, <laughs> Miguel's been laughing about this since I mentioned it, but so she eludes Fat Tom by telling him that she's not in the room. So he asks, are you in there? And she says, no. And Fat Tom leaves and goes back to his job. So I would argue that Fat would not appear to be the most obvious trait of Tom's. <laughs> He's clearly as dumb as a bag of spanners. Who, who would put him on guard duty? <laughs> who would bring him from Winterfell? I mean, clearly, I mean you might as well have Hodor. I mean, that's... <laughs> oh, man, I... We have this little sheet that, you know, reminds us of things we want to bring up. And I was looking through it yesterday at the swim meet and I came across this one and I started laughing out loud. And Stacey was sitting next to me and wanted to know what I was laughing at. And I showed her and she didn't really get it. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe he is, I mean, maybe he's like enormously fat, but it is, you have to be seriously fat to not be called dumb dumb. <laughs> oh, his weight would really have to... Be special, because <laughs> his his lack of intelligence surely is special. Yeah. I mean, uh, seriously, if he's the guard, I mean, like, yeah, you know, I mean, you can get past him with your shoelaces undone, you know. Like, <laughs> These are not the drones you're looking yeah. for. <laughs> no force required. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just you say it. For it. Oh, uh, all right. So, um, conclusion. New, uh, we do have a. Oh, you, uh, yeah, you do have. You have I, I put a news right. and notes in there. No, yes, I sorry. just snuck it in right, right. before we started recording. It's one. Uh, it's, I just have one word written there, so it's easy for you to overlook. <laughs> <laughs> so Friday night, I was at uh, Molly's swim meet, and Stacy went to a little gathering of some of our friends, and we have a, a mutual friend named Tony that we know through oh, different oh, walks yeah. of life. Hello, Tony. And Tony and Stacy were talking about the podcast, which I always appreciate. And he was saying that he's tuned into a few episodes, even though he... He's going to listen to this one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Specifically mentioned that he should. Uh, and he said he has no idea about the content that we're talking about, but he does tune in just to listen to um, the two of us uh, interact in our way that we interact. <laughs> so I thought that was quite the compliment. Well, that is a compliment. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm touched. He, he Thank said, you, Tony. Yes, much appreciated. 
so yeah, that was really it. Otherwise, we're still we're still working on um, trying to stick with our episode bonanza for as long as we can do it. All right, so let's conclude. So Ari and Sansa have definitely not bonded over their shared grief or the common enemies like we we thought they. We had hoped. We were wrong. Arya naturally, you know, feels some blame for Micah and Lady's death. Yeah, that's understandable, but but wrong, wrong, absolutely mm-hmm. wrong. Yes, and we get the impression that Ned is at odds still with the small council yeah. members. It doesn't seem to be going much better. Although while I was watching the TV show back for the uh, comparison with the TV show on this, I did notice that Lord Varys was at pains to point out that whilst they weren't totally agreeing with him. They did serve at his pleasure, and it was he was right. clearly trying to build a bridge there. I mean, again, that's TV show, not book. So, yeah, well, that's true. He is second in command. Yeah. So, you know, but he don't, he fears enemies in King's Landing enough so to warn his nine year old daughter about them. Yeah. So winter's definitely coming. That's for yep. sure, one way or another. And it's, single parenting is apparently hard. It is. Why, yeah. That's why I stay nice to my wife as much <laughs> as possible. All right. All right. So, as always, you can reach out to us at ghost.harrenhall at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at ghostsharrenhall. Facebook, Instagram, now YouTube. Yes, we're all over the place. Yeah. So. And, and, hey, if you wouldn't mind going out on iTunes especially or podchaser.com and leaving us some reviews and rating us favorably, um, fingers crossed, yeah. <laughs> that would be great. We'd really, really appreciate that, helping us get the word out. And feel free to send us any emails or uh, tweets we will uh, mention you on the show yes please do we really really enjoy interacting with the folks that do reach out to us so please do all right thanks very much for listening thanks bye bye, bye.